Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sara Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sara Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sara Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today you are joining me with my guest, Helen, for part two of her true story episode. I came downstairs on the morning of Halloween, it was. Um, Good Friday and Halloween, I like my signature days, don't I? And just said, are you still looking at properties? Because I know you have been. And he just said, yes. And I said, I think you should look for somewhere to live. And that was it. He was gone an hour later. An hour later? Goodness me. Okay. Right. Okay. So where are you at now? So that was about five months ago. Um, I am in a much better place personally. Um, I think I am getting used to the fact that he's not here. I like the fact that I can relax in my own home. I'm trying to employ your flip it tactic a lot whenever I am feeling, you know, particularly anxious or angry, but I struggle with it. It's not always working. I think that's something that might be easier down the line and that's something I'd like to get your advice on how to to try and stick with that. I find the feelings of anger are still really overwhelming a lot of the time. Um, But on the plus side, I do try and give myself credit for the positives. I don't cry as much as I used to. Um, Still don't sleep very well, but I sleep better than I did. Um, Me and my girls are a really, really close unit. Um, my two girls and I are, you know, we got on so well looking after them. Obviously, I don't want them to suffer the consequences of this. Um, and that's probably my main aim at the moment is to make sure that they are okay through this. Mm. I find relations yeah. with him very difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. And, you know, first of all, you have done an incredible job because you have gone through so much trauma there. Um, not only did you find out that your husband was having an affair out the blue, which, you know, when you are ticking along in a marriage and you didn't see it coming is like a huge tsunami through your life because it turns everything upside down and you start to question everything because if that had been going on, how long for, who else knew, why didn't you pick up on it? And the self doubts, uh, has a big impacts on your confidence and that's normal so you've done so well to get through that and then on top of that trying to make it work for the family trying to keep going and living in a situation where someone is telling you that they are doing one thing but your instinct quite clearly all the way through was telling you he's not and then you were that's why you were going to check the phone and please don't beat yourself up about that because it is human nature that if someone has deceived you or been untrustworthy which clearly he had been then obviously you weren't going to take his word for it and you needed to know if you were going insane yourself because if someone's telling you something but your gut is telling you something else then that's where a conflict comes up and that's why we resort to things like checking phones and emails and private detectives in some cases I've had clients do just because They don't believe what they're being told because the trust is gone. And once the trust is gone, it is very hard to build it back 
if both parties aren't completely committed to doing that. You know, people have affairs for all different reasons. And I have clients who have got over affairs and moved on. However, that is the rare exception in my experience, because quite often one person did that because they're checking out of the relationship rather than it's just a blip. But, you know, having said that, you gave it a good go, which I think is also something that will help you moving on because you did everything you could to save it. And I think leaving a a relationship without trying sometimes can leave you with regrets and questions and wondering, well, if I had done this or done that or compromised myself, like you said, you did running baths, going into care mode, doing everything you can, giving to the point where you were suffering physically, your health was suffering. You know, that is, is you trying. That is you doing everything you can to save the marriage. But it wasn't sustainable that wasn't something you could sustain doing. If you wanted to stay in the relationship, that is what it may have had to have looked like ongoing. And that wasn't something you could maintain, nor was it what you deserved. So I think, you know, sometimes we have to work through it and do that, go through that exhaustive process of doing everything you can. It's the bargaining phase in the lost cycle where you're scared as everybody is, humans are of change. None of us really like change. So we'll stick with what we've got and try and make the best of it as much as we possibly can, just because we're scared of the unknown. Even if what we know and what we're living with is awful, horrific, really difficult and making us sad and angry, it's better to stick with what we know sometimes than than shift is, is how we feel as human beings. So the fact that you've done that and you've exhausted that shows that, well, there was no other option. You know, you did the right thing. You tried your best. So now walking away from that and you having said, right, enough's enough, you can go. You did everything you could. So that is a really positive thing. And I know in the midst of all the trauma, it probably seems like there was no positive out of that. But the fact that you exhausted it, you know, in your heart of hearts and you can tell your kids as they grow up, you know, we did everything and it just didn't work. So the best thing was to separate. So I think that's a really positive, Helen. So you should be super proud of yourself for what you've come through. And the fact that in the last five months, you've got yourself back on a healthier keel. And I mean, I can see you at the moment and you look amazing. So you've obviously sort of sorted that side out pretty well at the moment. How are you feeling right now? Um, I feel better. I just wish it didn't preoccupy me all the time. And it still preoccupies me all the time. Um, I don't have that anxious, shaking legs feeling that I used to have that anyone who's been through this, I'm sure, will relate to. It literally is put one foot in front of the other and try not to fall over in the process. I don't Mm -hmm. have that anymore, and that's good. But my preoccupation with this is not healthy, and it's stopping me from moving on in the way that I want to. Okay, so... I mean, that, again, just to reassure you, that is totally normal, okay? And usually, especially so when someone's had an affair, because it's not like they've left and the relationship fell apart and you had a part to play in that in some way where you were arguing for a period of time and you knew it was coming. I mean, number one, you've got the shock of the affair. Number two, knowing that he's moved on with somebody else is also very difficult to manage. So that's normal. Okay, but you're doing super well to have got this far and being so strong right now. First of all, let me ask, have you got a good support team around you? Who have you got that is looking after you? 
I do. I've got really good friends who've been an amazing support. Um, I told four very good friends in the beginning who I've known for more than 30 years. They've been there throughout the whole thing. One friend in particular who lives really close has absolutely saved my life this year, I would say. And since he moved out, I told a wee bit of a wider group, some of my school mum pals who are helping out with practicalities with kids and they've just been lovely as well. So I'm very lucky on that front. Yeah, good. Okay. That's really good to know because I think it is always important to have positive people around you, care about you, can help you with the practical things, but also someone to vent at as well, to tell what's going on and to talk through your emotions and having a few people so that it's spread out amongst a group of friends also helps, I think. Um, you know, it is okay to feel upset. It is okay to be upset. And it's normal that you have this anger. Now, anger can be quite a difficult emotion to process because it keeps you stuck. Because having that anger in you just keeps you in that place of resentment, frustration, it's not fair. And asking what I call hamster wheel questions. So why did this happen, right? Are you asking questions like that? What sort of questions are you asking yourself? I think the main one at the moment is, how does he feel like such a stranger to me? He's standing on the doorstep when he picks up and drops off the kids. And I look at him and think, was I married to you for 12 years? We were together for 16. And he feels like an absolute stranger. He looks at me with dead eyes. He has no compassion for me, no caring whatsoever. I don't recognise him. It's horrible. I wonder how could I have got it so wrong? Yeah, and that's, again, very common. And I think what we do is we, obviously, you fell in love with your husband when you met him. And he was a certain way with you. And you had a great time for however many years that were really good. However, things have changed. Now, you are still in love or hooked in to the person you fell in love with. But the reality is, he's not that person anymore. Now, things might have changed because he met this other woman. They might have changed for lots of reasons. We may never know why they changed. But he is not the person that you fell in love with. Not only is he not treating you with kindness, his behavior has been bad and he's betrayed your trust. Now, the person you fell in love with would never have done that and didn't do that for 11 years. So something has changed. But the way we are programmed is that we still love the person we fell in love with. And that's the challenge because they don't exist in that form anymore. They have changed for whatever reason. So what we have to do is try and unhook ourselves from that. Now, it's hard because obviously you gave a big part of your life to him. You've had a family with him. You've had children with him. You had that family unit. And this was a big shock for you. Remember for him, he will have been going through this for a lot longer. You know, he'll have met that woman whenever that was. And this has been going on for a long time. So he's a lot further down the road than you. So that switch flicking moment where he looks dead in the eyes, you said, is, is very common when someone's checked out of a relationship. And it's really painful when you're still in it, still in love with that person. And you look at that and you think, gosh, you know, this is really hard. And also there's that, well, why do I still have these feelings when you're treating me so badly? That confusion as well. And that's because we're still in love with who they were, not who they are now. So sometimes just understanding and having that clarity can help you dial down a little bit of that because we have to start to unhook. 
and actually writing a list of who he is now and how he's treating you. And then looking at that, say, am I in love with this? Well, you're not. You're not in love with that. You're in love with something that doesn't exist anymore. And I know that's hard to hear, but actually that clarity will help you take your control back. Because at the moment, all these feelings you're having, you're giving your power away to him. And this is normal, okay? Everybody does it when you go through a breakup because you're you're asking questions, wondering things, and putting the power in, in his hands. Like, well, you know, I don't know why this is happening. How could you do this? How can he do this? How can he treat me like this when we've had all this time together? So what I'd like to work on you with is how do you take your control back? Because every minute that you're giving your power away means you're going to stay stuck because you haven't got the controls. But the irony is you do, but you just have to take it back and put you in charge again, okay? So now the anger is something we need to have a channel for you to vent that out because it needs to come out in some way. And it's healthy to be angry when someone's done something that's not good for you, okay? Because you're not a doormat. This wasn't done in the correct way you know people fall out of love but there's ways of doing it that are more decent than others and this obviously wasn't um, a very nice way to go about this so it's normal and rational that you have these feelings so we have to find a way for you to vent them which is healthier so do you do any kind of exercise is there any way that you can think of that you could do that you would enjoy to get rid of some of that frustration well, when the gyms were open out with lockdown, I did really enjoy that. Um, I've been trying to do a bit of exercise at home. I go out walking with an audio book when I can. Um, it's another challenge of this past year with this happening in 2020 in the year of lockdown. I didn't have all those kind of nice self-care things that we talk about yeah. when something like this happens. Um, yeah. It would be good to get back to the gym because we're we're looking to you know come out of lockdown later on this month, so that certainly could help. Do you have time where the kids aren't at home? Not very much, to be honest. Um, he doesn't have them that often at the moment, um, so that's difficult to. Right. Okay. So do you, do you have, for example, one of the things I think might be useful that you can do at home is just punching your pillow. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but you know, if you don't have like a, a one of those boxing glove things that you can sort of pummel, which are quite good, you know, just punching your you're punching your pillow. And the reason I was asking if the kids home is that sometimes just screaming out, just letting as loud as you can all that emotion out. Now, I know it's I know it sounds ridiculous, but actually, even doing that for say thirty seconds a day maybe when the kids have got their earphones in or they're playing in the garden or you jack up the music so they can't hear you and you just pummel the pillow and you're ah! like as loud as you possibly can. <laughs> you know, it can actually just help to start loosen some of that anger. So I need you to be able to just find a way to vent that out. So even if you're just doing it without the sound, but it, with the sound makes it a lot more effective like because that. it's the anger. The exercise is really good, and I, I strongly recommend you to keep doing that. And going outside and the fresh air, the deep breaths, all that will help you with the anxiety um, and to just start building up your strength again, emotionally and physically. But the actual anger, we need to let out. You know, you really need just to let that steam out somehow. And I know from looking at you, are a very gentle person, and so this probably is a little bit uncomfortable for you, but actually finding a way where you can just pummel 
even for 30 seconds, as I said, will actually help like reduce some of that pressure. So we need to, in order to let anger out, we've got to work on it in a couple of ways. So that's one of the ways just to start venting it out. And can I now, put a photograph on the pillow? Is that allowed? <laughs> <laughs> yes, whatever works, whatever works for you, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, we have to get to the point where it's time to make a decision, which maybe is why you're here today. Maybe you've come to that point where it's like enough is enough now. I've gone through the natural grieving process. And for those people listening, there is going to be a period of time where you just have to go through it and let the tears flow and, and just keep going, as you said, and one foot in front of the other to keep yourself moving forward. And then when you get to a point where you are a little bit steadier, that's when decision time comes. Now, what are you going to do? You've got two choices. One is to live your life dragging this baggage with you every single day, every step of the way into every relationship, friendship, family, new partner, everything. You drag it with you or you say enough is enough. I am not going to let this one man ruin or detract from my life in any way whatsoever moving forward. Like enough is enough. So you deserve better, obviously. I'm sure you hear that a lot from your friends. But living your life, dragging this forward is a very different life to saying, okay, I can't do this anymore. This isn't serving me. It's not serving me or my health or my future. And it's making me sad. So I need to turn a corner and start taking my control back, which means stepping up. It means pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. It does mean you need to stop talking about it you know I'm glad you came on today though I'm not saying that but you know talking about it because we do it don't we we sort of you know now the hairdressers are open people will be sitting down there and say so what happened next I haven't seen you for a while and you'll update them on the latest saga on what's happened what he's done what she's done and how you're feeling and we need to stop that because we need to give them a new story to help you with and that is Project Helen, like what is the rest of your life going to be like and how do you redesign it just the way you want it to be? Because if you can get your friends, your family, your hairdresser, whoever it is, to buy in on the project revamp, redesign, then their help is going to be really useful moving forward. And we all want love and connection from our friends and they want to be there and help you through it. But if the only love and connection they're getting is on the negative, then they're going to come in and, and do their best to support you and listen. But maybe it's a chance to turn the corner and say, right, I need your help. You know me. What do you think would be great moving forward? What do I need in my life that I don't have right now? What could I do more of that I don't do right now? So that they all get on board with the excitement and the, the new phase rather than going over all the negative stuff from the past. And I think that will really help you turn that corner. But as a mum, I can imagine that you do more for your kids than you will for yourself. Right? Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And this is where you get to give them the greatest gift, which is to teach them one of life's most valuable lessons. And that is, especially nowadays with mental health of children and teenagers and the suicide rate going up for, for teenagers and, and young people. I think the most valuable lesson that you can teach them is that sometimes in life, the wheels fall off. We don't get that fairy tale ending that we dreamed of. We don't get, you know, sailing into the sunset. 
you had a great time for 12 years, but then it all went wrong. Okay. And sometimes in life that happens. And however much we want to wrap our kids up in cotton wool, which I know we all do, they are going to get their heart broken. They are going to get disappointed. Someone is going to betray them. Someone is going to break their trust. They're not going to get the job they wanted or get into potentially the the university they wanted, for example. There are going to be disappointments along the way. And that's life. So why not use this as an opportunity to show them what you do when the wheels fall off, when things don't go your way, when people let you down, when people deceive you or treat you badly. Now, they may not obviously know at this stage what their dad has done, but I'm sure as they get older, in some ways, they will realize that, you know, the crossover was at a certain point and there was another lady involved. They don't need to know those details and they shouldn't at their age. However, the actions that you take now are really important because you are their role model. Okay. And as a mom, I know you're going to do more for them than you are for you. So if the motivation to let go of the anger and turn your life around isn't strong enough to do it for you, do it for them. Okay. So how you do it is you step up and you say, right, I'm going to show my kids what they do because I don't want them to get to this point in life and learn from me as their role model that when things go wrong, you give up, that that's your life over and you have to live with a gray cloud above your head every single day. I'm going to show them that, yeah, sometimes bad things happen in life. And yes, we get upset. And I, you know, it's okay to be upset by these things because we need to show our kids that to some level that, you know, when things happen, it's okay to show emotion. I mean, obviously you wouldn't want your kids to see you sobbing uncontrollably, but to say, yeah, mommy feels a bit sad today. It's just acknowledging that it's okay to be sad. But the trick here is then to say, but I'm going to show you how I cheer myself up. So mummy cheers herself up by, I don't know, I mean, I used to do this with my son, maybe uh, putting on some happy music and dancing around the room or showing them that putting a big smile on, on your face and looking up actually changes how you feel in a heartbeat. Or it could be five star jumps. You know, which of those things do you think your kids would be able to do with you so that you are actually giving them a lesson of, yeah, I'm feeling a bit sad. So you're acknowledging and identifying the emotion of sadness, for example, in this case. And then you're saying, but I can change that, showing them that they are in control of their own emotions. They can take their control back no matter what anyone else is doing, and they can turn things around. If you teach these skills to kids at a young age, I promise you, these are so valuable that when things start to go wrong for them, even at school as they're younger, getting older, you'll see they're doing these things and they're teaching their friends these things. So what do you think might work with your kids, Helen? You're quite heartened by what you're saying because the times that I've felt better have been when I've done things like you're describing. You know, we'll have a kitchen disco or I'll take the kids out on their scooters down to the park. Um, just really simple things, but maybe things that we would have done together as a family before. And it's after the fact I realise, oh, I've done that myself with the kids or, you know, things like going out in scooters, not a big deal. But last week I booked a holiday for me and the kids ourselves, um, just um, down to sort of the middle of England for a week during the summer. But I was so daunted at the idea of that, you know, doing that on my own. So I like the idea of doing more things like that and actually teaching them that 
this is something mummy's doing on purpose because we're having a bit of a meh day so let's turn it around and do something that makes us feel a bit happier yeah that sounds like a good plan yeah and I think it will give you the motivation to change and you know the good news is the kids are with you a lot so you're going to get the opportunity to use this a lot and show them that sometimes you know things are difficult and that's okay that's life but there's something you can do to turn it around um, maybe also doing a family bucket list now, like your breakup bucket list. But what you want to do as a family, what can we do now, the three of us, that maybe we couldn't have done before? What would you like to do? And creating something. I mean, I think it's important you do it for you as well as a woman, not a mum, because I think building up that side of you is really important. Thinking about things that you can do now with your life that maybe you wouldn't have done before because you didn't have time or you were too busy doing other things. I think that's important. but. Creating a bucket list as a, as a family, I think, the three of you, is really important. And it gets the kids to buy in and get excited about things and show that this is another tool that you can use to just get a little bit more sparkle back in your life. And I think, you know, this you were talking a lot in your story about being angry and upset and thinking about what he was doing and why. And one of the fastest ways to let go of that is to shift your focus onto you and other things now that's not easy to do if you haven't got anything to shift your focus to because it's a blank canvas and quite often it is a blank canvas because they've left and you're like well okay now I'm just coping with the fact that they've gone but I don't know where I'm going to so the idea of writing the breakup bucket list is to throw as much color onto that blank canvas as possible so that you've got something to aim for and I think having the kids buy into that as well and having a few things on there that you can do as a family that are going to get them excited as well about this new phase, the next chapter, is really exciting. So what sort of things do you think you could put onto your bucket list that you would be excited to do? Um, I've been throwing myself into work a lot more. Um, all my work dried up last year as I said to you and I got a new job just started in March so I'm really spending a lot of time on that and I can see a good kind of career progression path there and I realise that's something I need for me is to feel you know of value and of worth to do well in my career so that's that's up there but on the family and home side it would just definitely be to take some nice trips with the girls some nice weekends go visit uh, friends and family for the weekend and um, yeah just to spend time together um, yeah yeah um, absolutely mm -hmm. and now that lockdown is easing I think it's going to get a lot easier to be able to go and do things I also would love you to spend some quality time with these good friends you've got because I think being around people like that but again not focusing on the sad story which is very sad but now it's a chance to turn that into something more positive now, the flip it technique that you talked about earlier is where you try and find the good in something, no matter what how bad it seems. And I know that can be difficult. I know it can be difficult. Having been through this sort of thing myself, I know that sometimes there doesn't seem to be any good in it. But a good question to ask to help yourself to find that, because, again, this is about shifting your focus to find something good, which is almost your lifeline to sort of pull you up through this. A question to ask is, you know, I know it's not, I can't see anything good about this right now, but if I could see just one thing, if there was just one tiny thing that would be good about it now, and it might just be that this is making me stronger. 
this experience is making me stronger and I can maybe use this to help my kids in the future. You know, if I can show them that, wow, this is something else that's happened, just add it to the pile and it's just going to make me stronger. It's going to make me more determined to turn around and say, you are not going to determine how my life works forward. Now it's me taking my control back. I no longer care. And understanding that quite often we look at a relationship that someone's sort of left us and moved on with somebody else. We look at that relationship with rose-tinted glasses. Now, it's rarely like that because, especially when you've got kids, because your kids are there, they are a constant reminder of you. You know, you are the person that he's left to be with her. In some ways, there's always going to be some sort of comparison going on there. So you are always going to be a feature of that relationship. Your next relationship, your ex is not going to be a part of that. He's going to have nothing to do with that. Whereas you are always kind of in the room with them because, you know, he left you for her and their their relationship overlaps you and your kids are going to be there. So I think, you know, we have to be realistic about what's happening there. It's built on, you know, it's built on a, a rocky start because he was married and, you know, there was a lot of deceit and somebody got really badly hurt in that. Now, it's not to say we don't wish them well, because ultimately, you know, if they're happy, then that's probably better for your kids, because your kids then will be in a stable environment rather than something that's going up and down. And we want the best for the children. But it's irrelevant really for you because your life is separate to that. And you need to have your support team moving in a different direction to support you and help you take your power back and say, yeah, you know what? Good luck to you. I'm moving on with my life. I don't want to be in a relationship with someone that could treat me like that. It worked well for a number of years. and I'm going to keep those happy memories. I'm going to keep them because they were special. We did have good times. We were in love. It was genuine at the time. It didn't work out towards the end for whatever reasons, which now is time for me to move on. So, you know, it's about separating it in that way and saying, yeah, I don't need to trash all the memories. I just need to take my power back now because it's time for me to go on and find happiness somewhere else to move on with my life and enjoy the quality time with my kids. Enjoy the new experiences that you're going to have now that you would never have had if you have stayed in that relationship with him. Right. Yeah. yeah how does absolutely. that feel? Yeah, it feels much more positive. Um, I think I get quite a lot out of feeling I'm making small achievements and uh, you know achieving small goals, um, and there are little bits of contentment creeping in for me. So that's quite a good example of how the flip it thing does work. Um, I am appreciating just little things when I'm, I'm feeling more content and and happy, even you know on my own. Um, just at the bank holiday weekend there I spent an entire day tidying up the garden and getting it all ready for summer and that would never have been my job that was always his responsibility at home but I did it mostly on my own I got the girls in to help me with some bits of it and it looked really great by the end of the day and the next day when it was sunny all I had to do was just lie out on my outdoor sofa put some music on read a magazine and I sat there and I was smiling to myself and I thought do you know this is good. I don't have to feel anxious about someone else here that I don't trust, that I don't know what's going on with them. Um, I've done all this and made this place look great on my own. I felt really good. 
Oh, and I think you're so right. Building that self-reliance and doing those things like booking the trips and doing the garden, all the jobs that you wouldn't normally have done, do build that self-reliance muscle and getting that pride from doing it because, you know, it is really incredible that you've got the strength to do those and try those things. And as you do more of them, you become stronger and realise that actually you can do those things. So I was laughed to myself because one of my friends she's been married for many many years very happily married lovely couple um but our boys both do a bike club and when well it was a while back when we could go to the school which just seems ages ago now doesn't it mm-hmm. but you know I would always get the bike and put it on the bike rack and I would put the bike rack on myself I put the bike on it be covered in mud and you know she turns up she's like oh Sarah could you just give me a hand I don't know how to get the bike out because Richard always put it in the car for me and then I sorry, could you help me put the bike back in the car? And I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm like half the size of her. And I'm like, with this big mountain bike going, you know, you can do this. Because I don't know how, because Rich has always done it. I always used to make me laugh. Because, you know, for me, it was natural. Because I've been a single mom for such a long time. You just learn to do those things. Yeah. You know, I was pretty chuffed with myself. I was thinking, gosh, you know, I'm the go-to person. And look at me. I'm not exactly the strongest person out there. But you, know, you do build up those muscles. And I think, you know, you can be really proud of yourself for that. And your kids will be proud of you, too. And again, they're learning from watching you. They're knowing, you know, they'll notice these things and think, gosh, mom's really doing some great stuff. And that, again, is really important. And you mentioned the co-parenting. And I know that you said that the the functionally friendly technique that I have where you just try and um, be as friendly as possible with your ex. And if it's going to help you in those situations where you have to come together. Now, have you had any of those situations as yet? Or is this something that you're just nervous about moving forward? Yeah, there's been lots of it because he comes to pick up the kids and drop them off three times a week. Um, But there could be conversations between us in between times about making arrangements to do with things with the kids. And if that hasn't gone well, there'll be animosity at the door. Um, sometimes it's been as much as you know doors getting slammed in the face or shouting or yeah can be pretty hideous try not to do it in front of the kids but yeah my stomach's churning every time he comes to the door I hate it yeah and again that's really common so please don't beat yourself up but what we have to do is you have to take your control back because every time you're reacting it's feeding the situation and what I want you to do and I know it's hard but I'm going to give you some tools here to, to rise above it, okay, so that you manage in the time that you're with him. It's, how long is it? Usually a couple of minutes to hand over? Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah. I mean, it's easier if it's a shorter period of time, but this will also work if you have to go to a school function maybe later on. So Functionally Friendly is a tool that is that I designed so that you can be in the same room or be with your ex and it not to get out of control, as you've described there. Um, Now, the trick is to know that you don't have to be actually friendly with them. You don't have to like them. This is actually for situations where you don't like your ex, where they make you feel sick, where they make your skin crawl, where you do want to punch them in the face and say, yeah, what are you doing to me? Um, But you obviously we can't do any of those things. So this is a technique to get you through the times where you have to be around for the kids. Okay, and it's all about putting your best foot forward and doing the right thing by the kids. So what it enables you to do is just go in and get through that short period of time. So how it works is before it happens, you prepare yourself. Okay, you have to process it. It doesn't take long, but just a couple of seconds or a minute if you can, just to think, right, 
deep breath, shoulders back, acknowledging that this is not going to be easy. This is going to be a little bit tough, but you want to get through it. Okay. And you're going to do your best for the kids. So it's all about killing them with kindness. It's all about superficial friendship, just being nice on the surface. Okay. And on the surface, I mean, you're not going deep. You're not sharing any personal information. You're not giving away any secrets. You're not saying how you feel. You're literally smile on your face. Hi, here are the kids. Great. Have a nice time. Off you go. You know, short, sweet to the point. You don't get into anything difficult. They may start something difficult. You can come back with, oh, that's interesting. I'll think about that and I'll get back to you. Just you don't get engaged. You don't get drawn in. You, you can say, look, I'm really sorry, I'm, I'm meeting someone in a minute, but I will get back to you on that. Or, no, let's talk about that later, you know? So just keeping it, like, there's no way you're going to get drawn into it, but you have to almost make that decision beforehand so that you're not tempted. And they might try, but you've got to be resolute. I'm not going there. It's just going to be smiling. Here you go. Have a lovely time, kids. Off you go. Okay? Now, if you do have to be around them a little bit longer than that, you can think of some surface level questions that you might ask that are going to distract them, that are nothing to do with you and them or your past, but, you know, maybe, oh, you've got a new car, or, you know, how's the car? You know, how's it compared to the last one? Or, you know, finding something to talk about that's going to distract them away from the topic. So I think, you know, going in with that attitude means that you, know, you don't have to like them. In fact, this is designed for when you don't, because this is why you need these skills to get through. If there's a partner involved as well, kill them with kindness, surprise them, show them who you really are. So, you know, hey, nice to see you. Thanks for baking the cookies with the kids the other day. They had a great time. Bye. You know, there's, they're never going to get a reaction from you. You're going to hold your head up high and do it with dignity. Because what you're teaching your kids there is that, you know, it's the right thing to do. You will do it. You'll go through with it. You can close the door afterwards and you can be upset. Okay, you can let your true emotions out. You can go pummel the pillow, shout and scream, but you're not going to do it then and there. Okay, it's protected time. But these are tools where you kind of act as if you have to dig deep. You do have to dig deep. And it gets easier, though, with practice. It does get easier with practice. Um, you can also practice it out in your head, speak out some words and phrases in your head out loud so that you're not sort of thinking on the spot, come up with a few things before you open the door or before you meet them that you're going to say and zip up your Teflon suit before you get there. That's important. You know, go in prepared. Because if you go in a bit all weak and what they're going to say and what am I going to have to respond, you're on the back foot. So you take control. You know, I mean, I have clients who get all dressed up for the handovers because they're going off out, you know, and it stops their ex from asking questions. Like, I'm dashing out in a minute. I'm off, you know. Oh, okay. Well, I'll get back to you later. So, you know, use it almost as a little bit of fun for you to practice building that strength inside you. Because if you can get through that, you can get through anything. You yeah. know, and you've been through a lot already. So this is just really something about honing how you do it, preparing in advance. And then, you know, each time you'll get stronger and then it'll become more natural. And then people at school be coming up to you, how on earth are you managing that? <laughs> and they're like, well, I've been doing it for so long. I've got to do it for the kids, you know. And ultimately, you don't care so much anymore because you're moving on with your own life and you've got other things to focus on. You've got other places to be and other people to spend your time with. So it's more about looking forward. Does that help? 
It does, yeah. I think the delaying tactics that you're outlining is what I need. Um, you know, oh, let me get back to you on that. Just not being drawn into difficult discussions at the door. That's a really good idea. I can definitely try yeah. that. I'm at the stage now that you're describing as well of really not liking your ex. I definitely am not in love with them anymore. You know, I do have feelings for the man that I married, but I absolutely accept that that's not him anymore standing on the doorstep. So the guy on the doorstep, I cannot get rid of quick enough. So if I can make that transition of him off the doorstep easier by being super nice, then I'll definitely give that a go. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Okay, well, I'm glad. Um, I think I just am mindful of not turning into that Stepford wife again that I did during the difficult period with him. That worries me for me going forward and taking that into another relationship. I worry that in the future, could I put up with behaviour like that again? It's only with hindsight that I can see, oh my God, you were putting up with such awful, awful behaviour. Why did you do that? Because in every other area of my life, I'm a strong woman and I was anything but strong during the summer months. I don't want to repeat that behaviour. So do you mean when you after you'd found out about the affair in that period, is that this yes. time? Yes. Okay. Well, first of all, I think that what you did, as we've discussed, is was very normal because you were trying to save something that you'd spent years building and nurturing. So that was normal and it was new to you. So you were learning who your partner was at that point because he wasn't the person you thought he was. So again, it was a learning curve for you while you were discovering that. So if you'd have met somebody and you'd gone on a first date and they'd started treating you that way, I you wouldn't have put up with it the God, reason no. you tolerated it <laughs> yeah. was because you were trying to save something that was had a lot of value at that point still so do you so think I should I think, give myself a break on that front yeah and also know that your radar now is going to be so finely tuned you are going to be particularly sensitive to those sort of things so if when you're dating someone it comes up that they cheated in the past that's going to be a red flag for you that's going to be something that you're not going to want to tolerate and, you know, if I was going to work with you over a long period of time, work, I would definitely want to be looking at things like, you know, working out what your ideal partner is, which is an exercise that really looks at what you need from a partner. So and what you need from a partner is not what you want. What you want might be, I don't know, tall, dark, handsome, short, blonde, blue eyes, whatever. We know that. We know what we're physically attracted to. But what we need is where we get to bank the lessons that we've learned from the past. So, you know, the, the warning signs, the their behaviours that maybe with hindsight now you can see that maybe at the time you overlooked because it wasn't an issue. It shouldn't have been on your radar, whereas now maybe it will be. So I think that, you know, learning the lessons and banking them is really important because life will keep on teaching us those lessons over and over again won't it, until we sit up and go, OK, I learned the lesson. So. <laughs> those things are important and I think having a think about what you want and need from a relationship is key moving forward and any red flags you know the things that you must not have the things that you would not tolerate anymore moving forward make a list of those and they can be a checklist if you're out on a date and for example I don't know rudeness is on your list then or lying or deception and, and you see something like that or they tell you a story that oh my mom says I'm a bit of a liar sometimes listen and believe what they're telling you you know if people are coming out with it you're sitting on date one date two date three 
you know, it's only going to get worse. They're telling you who they are. Listen, you know, yeah. and if you are consciously aware that those things aren't going to work with you, then you can exit quickly mm-hmm. without any heartbreak. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that that is something that would benefit you. And, you know, thinking about moving forward by getting, you know, maybe on a dating app and testing it out and, you know, getting yourself back out there, especially now lockdown's over, even if it's just swiping right and swiping left, <laughs> it might be a bit of fun to get you back up and running again because getting your sparkle back is important. And it's not about meeting Mr. Right. It's just about having a little bit of fun along the way. Have you thought about that at all, getting back on the dating scene? Um, I have thought about it. I'm not quite ready yet, but yeah, I, yeah, it scares me. You know, the last time I was out there, online dating wasn't even a thing. <laughs> and the idea of mm. starting again at 46 is is quite frightening. <laughs> but Well, there's a lot of people starting a lot later than that. Really? And I would highly encourage it purely just to get some practice in. Okay, because you don't even have to speak to anybody. You don't have to do anything. But actually just being on there, seeing how it works, you could do it for research purposes. (laughs) But actually, it would really boost your confidence. You know, the clients I've worked with who have actually gone, okay, well, I'll give it a go. I've gone, actually, it's quite fun. I got loads of likes. And, you know, I mean, the thing is, are you going to meet Mr. Wright on there? Well, if you listen to some of my podcasts for these uh, dating app experts, They'll tell you absolutely it's your best chance these days. But, uh, you know, who knows? But the idea is just to go out there and start seeing that there's lots of other people out there. Now, some of them aren't very nice. (laughs) Some of them you need to steer clear of. But some of them are lovely. And, you know, there's a lot of nice matches that have been made through these dating apps. So you can do it at home. No makeup in your PJs on a Saturday night, (laughs) you know, in front of the TV just for a bit of fun. So maybe... This is part of the plan you discuss with some of your girlfriends. Maybe one of them can help you with that as a little bit of a project to sort of think about over the next few weeks. Right. That sounds like a plan. A little bit of fun would be certainly welcome after the last year. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And that's what this is about. Don't put pressure on yourself to meet the right man. It's just about getting out there and having a bit of fun and just learning who you are now, you know, coming out of a long-term relationship. It's about rediscovering who you are, what you enjoy doing. You know, maybe you want to go for a different type of guy completely. You know, it's time just to get out there and have a few little text messages and just a bit of fun. Yeah, definitely. When something like this happens, it shakes your belief of who you are, of what your life is, of everything, doesn't it? But one, of my, one of my really good friends said to me in the beginning, remember who you were I've known you for more than 30 years remember who you were before this and she will come back oh well she is coming back she is coming back I mean you look incredible I can tell you that much as I can see now and you know it's great to hear you laughing and smiling and and you have done so well you have done so well and please you know it's time to take a little step back and look at how far you've come in a relatively short space of time was something that completely changed your world around, but you've navigated that. You're managing with your kids, you know, and if this was a session where you'd come to me, I'd go into a lot more detail about those things as well, because I think obviously helping your kids do this is super important too. But I'm hoping that, you know, by you sharing your story, I'm sure so many of my listeners have picked up on things from that. And hopefully hearing some of the bits of advice I've given you have obviously I hope they've helped you but obviously are helping other people who are listening to know that there is a life out there after a breakup you can turn it around and 
please be very proud of yourself because I'm so proud of you for what you've achieved so far. And I know that the future is going to be super bright and I'm really excited to hear how you get on moving forward. Oh, thank you, Sarah. I really appreciate it. It's been a big help. Thank you. Oh, well, thanks very much for joining me today. That's it for today's episode and I look forward to you joining me next time. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to Sarah's virtual Heartbreak to Happiness retreat. This is a transformative combination of live webinars with Sarah herself, coupled with her empowering online video program designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com where you can also get a copy of Sarah's gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.